DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention. Bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you can claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid and site credits only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat, and we have a good show for you guys today. We're resurrecting an old segment. It is the 3M segment, brought to you and created by Nicholas J. Horwat, who is my host. And we haven't done it in about a year because we've been focusing on the Penguins' regular season, the Penguins' playoffs, but now... As the season has come to an end, it's time to shift focus to the offseason. And with that comes a fresh new list of unrestricted and restricted free agents. So we're going to do our must sign, maybe sign, and move on to tell you what our opinions are on what the Penguins should do with all of these free agents. And of course, it is a Thursday episode, so we'll be finishing off with our shoutouts and callouts segment as always. But Horwat, before we get into any of this, there were two awards, as it seems the NHL awards are starting to get announced here this week. Two awards finalists have been announced, notably, at least from Penguins land, Marc-Andre Fleury gets announced as a finalist for the Vesna Award, the one award that he hasn't won so far, and Sidney Crosby has been nominated for the Ted Lindsay Award, aka the MVP as voted on by the players. He's looking for his fourth Ted Lindsay Award of his career. Which to you has a better chance? It's, dude, it's so hard because, um... Flurry's going up against Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. and Crosby is going up going up against Connor McDavid. And I get it's chosen by the players, but I mean, this season I think the, it's McDavid hands down for both MVP and Ted Lindsay, just because, by God, it should be, because all this voting happens before the postseason as well. Um, and also he is going up against Austin Matthews, who. For what it is worth, also had a very good season, dealing with injuries, no less. Um, and then there's, like I said, then there's Flurry going up against Vasilevsky, who I don't know 
exactly what kind of season he had, but they finished third? Mm-hmm. Finished third in their division, which is weird, but who knows? I mean, Flurry has the Jennings, his first Jennings ever. Good yep. for him. Um, and this is the first time I'm looking at his stats. Yeah, this is the first time he's ever been in the top three of Vesna voting, so it's a start, man. Good for him. Good for Flurry. This is something he's deserved for a long time, so... We shall see where that goes, but I think who's got the better chance? I would have to give the edge to Flurry on who's got the better chance just because he's not going against Connor freaking McDavid. <laughs> Holy shitting McDavid. Like, Yeah, and not going to lie, let's not forget about Philip Grubauer for the Vezina Trophy. He also had a really good season for the Colorado Avalanche, leading them to a President's Trophy season. Right. So all of these players are pretty decorated if you look at it. And it's going to be a tough decision regardless, but we're hoping for a nice outcome of Flurry and Crosby. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but it would be nice. But let's get to our 3M segment because it is a segment that a lot of our listeners have enjoyed in the past. I think we did it three times last season. Also mainly because we had the layoff for the COVID. Nothing to do. (laughs) But this is the first time we've actually talked about it this season. And it's fun to look at the upcoming free agents for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's start it off with somebody that I feel like it's pretty easy to determine what we're going to do with them. Let's start it off with Yannick Weber, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Last season, he made the league minimum at 700K, and he only played two games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it's pretty obvious to say that he's going to be moved on from if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. You don't bring up bring back Yannick Weber. What do you say? I, I do agree. It's just... Oh, wait, where's this? Okay. Yeah, I definitely do agree. It's just very hard to make the decision like that whenever he was part of the... I mean, he was one of the names you always talked about whenever you talked about the Nashville Predators defensive core, whenever it was as bombastic as it was. Whenever they had, whenever they were touting Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Matthias Ekholm, and I think I'm forgetting a name. Ryan he, Ellis. Ryan Ellis. And then you threw in a Yannick Weber in there, and you said, that is five solid names for a defensive core out of six Hmm. what the hell happened to that Yannick Weber I get he (laughs) was probably the last mention in it always but still I mean it's something it's not like he missed a ton of time that often in Nashville like I said with that lineup I mean 73 games 47 games 62 games those are something that's he's a playable player just not here for whatever reason I mean I don't know if he didn't get the sample size to really prove himself here. I mean, he only played two games, but yeah. they weren't too good. They weren't a good two games. So, yeah, you move on from him, especially because he seemed like a panic move, right? I mean, I get it was Alvin, but still, it was definitely a panic buy by him. Like something had to happen. It right? was something that they needed to do, though. Uh, they needed to do something because their defensemen kept falling to injury so i get trying to get kind of a band-aid and having yannick weber be that but the first and the last move of patrick alvin's short tenure as interim gm is probably going to be gone in this offseason to me do you you also move on i forgot if you said it or not yeah i'm agreeing with you one thing that does suck though is i mean first of all he'll he will find a a spot somewhere in the nhl it's not like he's totally cooked right it's Mm -hmm. it's not like he's totally cooked how old is he 32 32 a stay-at-home guy. I'm sure someone could use um, a stout defenseman to sit on their back end, sit on their third line, maybe even be the seventh guy. He's also a singular game away from 500. He is sitting at 499. Hmm. 
Mm. We couldn't even give him that luxury this year. That's how how <laughs> not good his first two games were. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He might go to another team. I've also heard rumors that he might go over and play in Europe, which mm. would be kind of weird if he was one away from 500, but it all depends, I guess, on what he's looking for. Yeah. But we move on from Yannick Weber. Let's talk a little bit about another UFA that's a little bit older, another 32-year-old at that, Colton Sevier, who played bulk minutes on the Penguins' fourth line when he wasn't a healthy scratch for the Penguins, of course, Coming over in the Patrick Hornfist trade last offseason, had one year left on his $1.2 million contract. Horat, what are you doing? Are you signing him? Do you maybe sign him? Or do you move on? I think you move on. I think this is going to be a very one way or the other for me this time around. There won't be any maybes, I feel like, because this is a guy that, uh, yeah, you didn't play him. You know, that's, that's all there is to it. You really didn't play him when everyone was fully healthy, so. Why would you re-sign him to just not play him again? I mean, we're just going to use so recall of this guy? I don't think so. I think we just move on from him outright because um, he's a UFA. It's not like we have to do something about it. We can just let him walk. Again, he's another guy that will probably find a job somewhere. I mean, 500 exactly, games experience, and he's a good bottom six guy for a team that could that could use him. He wasn't anything special for the Pittsburgh Penguins, right. but he filled a role, especially whenever they were going through all those injuries. He, he was a better option than a lot of the guys the Penguins were able to bring up. I mean, I would still say that somebody like Razim Zahorna or even Anthony Angelo is a better stopgap than him, but he filled a purpose for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was a throw-in for the Patrick Hornquist deal, helped secure that deal to its finality. And now that $1.2 million that would be coming off the books if they refuse to sign him also helps with the cap relief there. So... I also move on from him. Uh, there's nothing wrong with him. I just think he doesn't fit on this team. If you're trying to get faster, it's not Colton Sevier. If you're trying to get bigger, a little bit more gritty, I still don't think it's Colton Sevier. He's just kind of a guy that's there. He's replacement level, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have that in the minors with a lot younger and a lot faster players. And even if you're looking for bigger, you still have Redeem Zahorna, who is an RFA, but we won't get into him too much today. But I, I believe that Colton Sevier is on his way out in Pittsburgh. It's $1.2 million that are going to give the Penguins some room to sign some of these other free agents. But I don't hate what he did for the Penguins. It was just a one-year trip for him, and I'm not surprised if he moves on when unrestricted free agency starts. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at either. He's also, he's basically the forward version of uh, Yannick Weber. He's They're both about the same yeah. height. They both weigh about the same. They're both 32 they're both on the last year of a deal. It's they're both just plugging plug and play guys. It's you're moving on from those guys, especially for a team that I mean, I don't know what exactly this team's trying to do this offseason, but I mean, last year was the younger and faster motif. Mm -hmm. What is it now? It's a it's a bit more of a question mark this this summer, but clearly both those guys don't fit that one. So Let's keep moving on here to some of the more players that played a little bit more regularly for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Zach Aston Reese is going to be a restricted free agent this offseason. He had a $1 million contract on his last contract. And of course, this year he scored a career high nine goals in pretty much the same amount of games that he had his old career high, which was eight goals. So a career high in goals. He was almost at his career high in points after missing the beginning of the season, recovering from a shoulder surgery. 
Horwat, I think you must sign Zach Aston Reese if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think he brings an intangible that not a lot of players on this team brings. I know the penalty kill wasn't fantastic for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he was a bright spot. He is probably their best, if not their second best penalty killer as far as forwards are concerned. And I think you bring him back because he's also an integral part of that fourth line. And I, I really think that if he doesn't get taken in the expansion draft, which will be a conversation for another day, he will be a very good piece for this Pittsburgh Penguins team next season. So I think you must sign Zach Aston Reese. You hit the nail right on the head with the expansion draft part. Because I'm not necessarily saying I think that's where he's going. But let's, we're also going to, I'm assuming we're doing all of this, assuming all these guys we talk about aren't taken. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're ignoring the let's, expansion draft yeah. as of now. We should just say that now because some of these guys are going to be in that discussion. So we're ignoring the expansion draft. If that's out of the window, let's say it's passed. All these guys are still here. Um, yeah, Aston Reese is a guy you bring back is to, to like a one-year deal, though, if you can, if he agrees to something like that. Because he is such a role player that who knows if that role is needed you know, come after next year, after next season. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a specific defensive minded role that let's say someone turns out to be a very good penalty killer, i.e. Kasperi Kapanen. And we give him that opportunity. Then there's not, not that there's no need for Zach Aston Reese, but you figure out that there's no need for him. So I say you do re-sign him this, for this upcoming season for sure. One year again, that's if he agrees to it. But he's an UFA, correct? He's an RFA. He's still restricted. That's what I meant. Yes, RFA. Um, yeah, I just say you shoot him that contract, give him a year, see what he can do with it. Basically the same thing. One year, one million. I feel like he's earned at least a second year for the Pittsburgh Penguins because he does have a very specific role, and I agree with you. But we did see some jumps forward in his offensive game this year. Like I said, a career-high nine goals. It seemed like that whole line, when they played together, had a little bit more of an offensive power to them. So I would give him probably close to the same amount of money, $1 million, maybe $1.25. He gets a little bit of an increase in pay because of his increase in production. But I would throw him the two years to try to keep that AAV down. And I honestly think that considering the Pittsburgh Penguins, Obviously, next year is still part of the window that you would like Zach Aston Reese. And the year after that, if you want to get rid of him, a player of his talents at $1.25 million on a one-year deal, some other team that's going to need defensive forward will take that for a mid to low draft pick. So I think it's safe to give him a two-year deal and a little bit of a pay bump. It's fair. I like that too. He can basically take Sevier's contract. How about that? 1.2. There you go. You can exactly just pay for Zach Aston Reese with what you got rid of with Colton Sevier. And you also still have the Nick Bugstad money, $2.1 oh, yeah. million dollars coming off the cap. So that is going to also help to pay for some of these raises that are going to be inherently due. Somebody else that is going to get a raise is Teddy Bluger. He's also a restricted free agent. He was making just $50,000 over league minimum this year with a $750,000 AAV. He tied his career high of 22 points but in 26 less games than he's ever played. He's on a 43-point pace, that is an 82-game pace, this season if he was to play a full season, which is a really good pace, especially if you're considering that he's the Penguins' fourth-line center, not even the third-line center. 
He is good in his own zone. He's pretty good on faceoffs. I still think there's something left to be desired pretty much from any Penguin center in, in that aspect. But as far as Teddy Bluger is concerned, you want that strength down the middle. So I say must sign. What say you, Horwat? Uh, yeah, you must sign him. You must protect him. You must give him all of the monies he wants. That's the end of the discussion with Teddy Bluger. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty cut, cut, dry, cut dry, yeah. Yeah, you look at the free agents, both restricted and unrestricted, and he's kind of the biggest name for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially considering for the last 15 years, we've been so entrenched in the idea of strength down the middle of the ice and strength at the center position. And we still have Crosby and Malkin, of course. But we also have Jeff Carter now as a third-line center. He'll be back for next season. He's under contract. Nice. So the missing piece of the puzzle is Teddy Bluger, who's a restricted free agent. You can clearly give him a raise. Part of that Nick Bukestad money is probably going to go to Teddy Bluger. He might get close to $2 million a year. I'm not sure if that's exactly where he's going to go, but he's definitely going to get a raise up over a million dollars. And I think he deserves it because considering what the other free agents for the Penguins look like, I think he is clearly far and away the top guy and the highest priority for Ron Hextall and Brian Burke to re-sign. So I think he's a must-sign. You agree with me. Mm -hmm. I think he's getting an increase from that 750K AAV. And I think he's going to hopefully continue him and Zach Aston Reese if they're brought back. And again, if they're left to the side by Seattle in the expansion draft, they're going to reunite with Brandon Tanev. And I think they're going to take another step forward in the offensive zone. I don't think they're going to become this offensive juggernaut. But I think with a full season, you'll see a couple more career highs hit all of their records. Yeah, that whole discussion about if that line stays together is, for, is a discussion for another day. But, um, yeah, absolutely. You re-sign them. You give them the raise. Uh, I guess that's going to be a real test on, test to see how, what kind of negotiator or negotiators Hextall and Berkey are. Depending on how much money Teddy Bluger makes, well, I think that'll really... We'll find out. I guess we'll learn something. Yeah. It's going to be a fun offseason in that aspect, too. I'm excited to see it's, what Ron Hextall and yeah. Brian Burke's decision-making looks like because during the regular season, we saw two moves. You picked up Mark Freeman off of waivers. Okay, pretty low-risk, decent reward there. And then you made the trade for Jeff Carter, which, as of right now, completely great trade. One of your conditional picks, you didn't meet the conditions, so it's still the lower pick. And... You still have a year left after he scored, what, 12 goals in 20 games, 13 goals in 20 games, including a really good playoff performance. So those two so far are, I would say, one for one in moves. And I would kind of just, it's almost like a walk in baseball with the Mark Friedman thing. We haven't really seen any results and there was really nothing that he gave up for him. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. But it's going to be fun this offseason to see what those two do with all these UFAs, what they do as far as the expansion draft, who they protect. Again, we'll get into that in the later episode. And also, if they make any trades, if they sign any other free agents from out of town and bring them in. So we'll definitely have to keep our eye on that. But somebody that wasn't under the radar signing last season was Freddie Gaudreau. He is an unrestricted free agent after making his way into the Penguins lineup and becoming a fixture on the Penguins' third line. He scored 10 points in 19 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the regular season. In the postseason, I believe he had two points in those six games. Horat, what are you doing with Freddie Hockey? He had three points in those six games. Three and points in six games. 
Uh, I'm going to re-sign him to another one-year deal again. Same role he was in, two-way deal if possible. Um, because, yeah, you played, yeah, he played phenomenally, but we got some minor leaguers that might be coming up and, and junior players that might be cracking a lineup. I've heard great things about Lagare and Poulin so far. So, it, it's, it might just be... He might be SOL in this situation. I mean, definitely bringing him back and being, putting him in the same role he is in now, which mm-hmm. is, you know, in case of emergency, break glass. Plug him in, and he plays great. Because we know he can do it. I'm not... And like I said, if the guys like Poulan and Lagare aren't here yet, and they're taking a gear in the AHL, then he's a great option to put in that spot. So, yeah. I'm bringing... Uh, Goudreau back at least for a year same situation same role plugging him as necessary because he can do that there's two players that I look at in the same light right now and I think they're put into the same bracket and I'm sure that they're in the same bracket as far as where Ron Hextall and Brian Burke are looking as well and that is Freddie Goudreau and another UFA for the Penguins Evan Rodriguez they're both very good depth options, and they both played ex- pretty well in their roles for the Penguins in the 2020-21 season. Freddie Gaudreau, I think, came out of nowhere and had a bigger impact right away, which is why you saw him in the lineup when everybody got healthy and Evan Rodriguez is the 13th forward. But I don't want to forget about what Evan Rodriguez did this season either. While he started on the first line with Sidney Crosby and struggled a little bit in that elevated role, whenever he went down further into the lineup, he kind of started to feel it a little bit he started to come into his own and play a little bit better hockey and we started to see why Jim Rutherford brought him in two different times in the span of six months so I do want to kind of shift a little bit into Rodriguez but as far as Gaudreau's concerned I would sign him mm-hmm. if it's between the two I would take Freddie Gaudreau nothing against Evan Rodriguez but as you mentioned there are some players waiting in the wings and we'll get into the prospects later in the in the offseason but I think the Penguins' prospects are in a better position this year to come up and make an impact than they have been in the last couple of seasons. And I think that includes Poulin, that includes Legere, that might even include somebody like Casper Bjorkvist, who had another season in the AHL this year. But if you're looking for a stopgap, if you're looking for somebody to fill that role until any of those guys are possibly ready, I would rather go with Freddie Gaudreau for my money as of right now. I mean, for one, they were making the same amount of money. They were both at league minimum. I think Gaudreau might get a pay increase to about a million dollars, but that's still a very cheap option as a, as a good option as well. He plays well. He plays the style of play that coach Sullivan wants to play. So I would go with Freddie Gaudreau over Evan Rodriguez. I would say you must sign Freddie Gaudreau to fill in that depth role. And then we'll, let's just switch over to Rodriguez. I have maybe sign if he's willing to sign a one-year deal that's two-way. If he's willing to help the Penguins out and wants to come back to Pittsburgh, I say you sign him. But the reason I say maybe is if Evan Rodriguez wants to play, I'm sure there's plenty of other teams that are going to take him that would give him a better opportunity to get in the lineup. So that's why I have a maybe sign for Evan Rodriguez. I'm letting Rodriguez walk just because we have prospects that might come up and just push him straight out. I mean, we've already seen that, I guess, Goudreau is considered the player over him he's considered the next guy and not Rodriguez and you know it hurts it's not fun saying you know Rodriguez can get the can but 
he just didn't have much playing time here, and you got to figure he gets it somewhere else, right? I mean, for what it's worth, he played with Jack Eichel for a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely <laughs> played with stars. He played with yeah. Jack Eichel. He's played with Sidney Crosby. So he has that sort of a pedigree. I'm not exactly sure he succeeded too much in either role, but he has played with them before, and he is a solid depth piece. I could see a team... I don't want to keep saying it, but I could see a team like Edmonton needing there a depth piece like this. We saw what they did with Dom Cahoon. I mean, Cahoon didn't have a great season there, but he, he had with, some success. Played on a line with Connor McDavid, though. Exactly. So I'm not exactly sure who would take him, but I'm sure somebody would take him. And, and if Evan Rodriguez wants to play, he has a better opportunity if, he, if he's not in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, you, you mentioned the Oilers using him as a depth piece. No, they don't have depth to grab depth pieces they grab a guy like rodriguez he's in their top six yeah they're, they're still using the shell of james neal and ryan nugent hopkins might be on his way out it, it's a weird scenario up in edmonton so i don't really want to feed evan rodriguez to that wolves den of absolute Ooh. i guess failure it, it, yep. right now yep but I mean, if he wants to play somewhere, he probably has a better opportunity somewhere other than Pittsburgh. And like I said, I'm sure somebody would sign him. Yeah, somebody would definitely sign him somewhere. He's young. He's cheap. I mean, yeah, he at one point made $2 million, but that was a Buffalo tax. So he's young. He's cheap. He's a plugger. And, dude, he's quick. He's got speed. He's He knows what to do on the ice. He's not a bad player in any stretch of the word. But, um, again, I just think the opportunity is not here for him. Mm -hmm. another player that the opportunity is not going to be here for and i'm I, I would have said move on probably about a month and a half into the season now he is a restricted free agent so all we have to do is not tender him an offer and he becomes an unrestricted free agent i think this is probably the most certain move of the offseason and that is ron hextall and brian burke letting mark jankowski walk in free agency not tendering him an offer and turning him into a ufa i'm not sure Somebody might take a, a chance on him, like the Penguins did last season, but he definitely did not do anything to help his stock. He signed a one-year league minimum $700,000 contract. I don't see him making any more than league minimum if he goes to the open market. And I'm not sure who would take a chance on him, but somebody might. The Penguins just shouldn't be that team. Moving who, on. Who needs a tall, who needs a tall fourth-line center uh, for their, I don't know, I got nothing. This dude's, this dude's, oh, I for feel For the second bad. line of their AHL squad. I feel bad. I had so much hope for him. I did, but. It was a great start. We can always look back to that. He scored the first goal of the year for the Pittsburgh oh. Penguins. The yeah. first goal of the season. Yeah. And then he didn't score for three months until he hit an empty netter, but. Yeah, I what, feel bad. What are you going to do? I'm going to walk away. I'm going to let him walk. I'm moving along. Moving on, moving along. That's how it's going with him. That brings us to the last UFA that we're going to talk about. Obviously, there's some players like Max Legasse and Radim Zahorna, but we're not really going to get into all of that because a lot of that is going to be relegated to the AHL as contracts until they're possibly needed. So we're going to ignore that. I would say, honestly, probably bring both of those guys back. I think they played well, especially with the departure of Emil Larmy, which we'll Ooh, talk boy. about a little bit in our second segment. But let's talk about Cody Ceci. He's an upcoming unrestricted free agent. 
Last offseason, whenever we saw the news of his signing, we all kind of rolled our eyes. How are you going to buy out Jack Johnson and sign Cody Cece in the same offseason? Well, it's exactly what Jim Rutherford did, and he had the foresight to do so because Cody Cece put together probably one of, if not his finest season in the NHL. He was one of the most stable defensemen for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Great in his own zone, great at moving the puck up and setting up that first outlet pass. He made $1.25 million against the cap on his one-year deal. He's coming off that tremendous season. He played pretty well in the postseason as well. And to me, maybe you sign him. It depends where you want to go. It depends the cap space that you have after you take care of what's more important, which to me is Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese. So for Cody Cece, I say maybe sign. Okay. It's a, this is like one that you really do have to think about because, you know, we had this discussion all season really just, hey, are you re-signing him? Like he looks like we should re-sign him after this year. He's kind of earning it. And every time I would be, let's pump the brakes just a little bit on this. He is still Cody CC. We're just getting a good form because he's in the correct role. Let's remember this. We're using him properly. That's why he had a career high in plus minus. Yeah. Plus 18 doubling his his former career high so be that as it may um in 53 games of experience with the penguins it's just it is hard to say but you know what what's our defensive depth even looking like right now on the right side we have Latang and marino and then it's cody cc on the left side you have dumoulin petterson matheson and then pio joseph Okay, so, so the left side left. is pretty shirt up. The right side, I mean, it depends. Do you want to put Mark Friedman in that spot to start next season? Or do you want to go elsewhere and maybe bring somebody else in? To me, if you're thinking that you don't want Mark Friedman there, then you should re-sign Cody Cece. Yeah, because we have Friedman stick around for another year either way. Unless mm-hmm. you dish him out somewhere. But I don't see Ron Hextall doing that. He's a Hextall guy already. Um... Cody CC might just become a uh, a casualty in this whole thing because it's he's not he's not a Hextall or Burke guy. I mean, he was signed by uh, Rutherford. It's the old it's the old regime signing, if you will. So he just might become a casualty by that. But I would say that's not the smartest move because he did play very well. We we use him in the correct role. We give him some confidence in a, another small contract like this. Same thing, just one more. One more year of do this again. We gotta, we gotta make sure we got what we got here. Then you go from there. You just do it again. Just prove you can still do this. He's still young. He's only twenty-seven. Yeah. We got time with this. Like, it's not like he's pushing thirty something. He's twenty-seven. I say we give him that one, that one more year, um, and tell him to just do it again. Do it one more time. So, are you on the same train as me of, of the maybe sign, or are you saying must sign him? I'm back? saying must sign. Why not? I know you, you kind of le- leaned the way of you're afraid that the clock's going to strike midnight on Cody Cece and he's going to turn back into a pumpkin like he was in Ottawa and Toronto. But I, I like what you're saying with that they used him right, and I think they'll continue to use him right if they bring him back. One other thing that people have to remember that is game two or three, I forget which one it was, of the season. He was healthy scratched. He was. He was. Mike Sullivan knew, hey, I, you're not playing well, you're down. If he if, if Sullivan can keep that part up too, that makes uh, one more year of hey just do this again worth it. 
why not? And you can, yeah, we have a little bit of space coming off of the Bukestad deal. And our defensive depth, I mean, yes, we have Joseph. On the left, though. On the left. And beyond that, look where our defensemen. Oh, they're down here. Camley looks to be a left-handed. Maniscalco, who was on, Joshua Maniscalco, who was on the taxi squad for like three days. Yeah. Um, is a right-handed, but again, younger, has more time. He's got a longer contract right now than Friedman. So the depth on the right side is not the same as the depth on the left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I say you keep him around just because your depth isn't there yet. And, you know, if, if, you know, shit really hits the fan, Friedman apparently can do in a pinch and loves playing against his old team. So mm-hmm. we got that going for us. We do, but here's the only problem that I think could happen with Cody Cece this offseason is that he did have a career year, and, and that's oh, great yeah. for him. And you know what? His agent and he will rightfully so take that to the bargaining table. And the Penguins paid him $1.25 million. After the season he had, he's clearly going to get a pay increase or even maybe a 10-year increase. He might be looking for two or three years. And I'm not exactly sure that Ron Hextall is looking to commit something like that to a defenseman like Cody Cece. And by that, I mean a guy that had one really good season and before that was kind of wishy-washy. I don't doubt that Cody Cece can replicate this performance next season that he had in Pittsburgh in 2020. But the thing is, when he hits the open market, is somebody going to be willing to pay more? Is Buffalo going to say, hey, we don't have any good players. We'll bring you in or a similar situation like that. Does Detroit say, hey, this is a good addition to help us build towards the future until some of our younger defensemen may be a more exciter until he gets ready? CC might be a hot commodity this offseason, whereas last offseason, he was kind of a, a, a selection from the trash bin. I don't want to say that, but it's pretty true. And the Pittsburgh Penguins took it and turned him into a really good defenseman for them. He had a career season, and now he's going to be coveted by a lot of general managers in this league. And if he gets to be too expensive, the Penguins just don't have the cap to be able to get into a bidding war over a guy like Cody Cece. He was the yard sale pick. You don't have to call him trash. You say he was the yeah. yard sale pick. That sounds much better. Um, So, because you mentioned the agent, his agent is J.P. Barry, who if that sounds familiar, it's because it is Evgeny Malkin's agent. Hmm. Um, And I was just scrolling through to see if J- if this J.P. Barry had a trend of just signing egregious deals. And, uh, well, one of the guys on here is the Louis Erickson contract. So we do with that Oof. news what we will. Andrew, Andrew Ladd is also one of them. So we deal with J.P. Barry very smoothly and just say, you know what? Yes, he had one great season. But let's not forget what he was. Let's not forget this. And Let's also not forget which team he was on when he had that one great season. And if you want to replicate those numbers, maybe come back on another one-year deal. That way you can get that much more money the following year. Yes, for a team that is willing to pay you that. Whenever exactly. Toronto inevitably needs another defenseman because they fell apart once again and they say... I can't imagine him wanting to go back to Toronto, though. <laughs> There's no way, but desperate times call for desperate measures in Toronto. God, I wish we could talk about those... Toronto and Edmonton for hours. Well, that's going to do it for our 3M segment. We do have our shout-outs and call-outs coming up after the break, but before we do that, I do want to mention one other thing. Happy trails to Emil Larmy, of course. Was in the Penguin system as a goaltender for the past two seasons. He is heading back to Finland to play in the Finnish League. 
He spent two years down in the minors trying to build his way up to the NHL. He did play as a backup in one game due to the Casey DeSmith passport situation, but he's a great follow on social media, both Instagram and Twitter, and he's a great guy, and it seemed like it was a tough two years for him, so we just want to say congratulations on a good two years in the Penguins organization. We wish him all the best of luck back in Finland, and whatever team he lands on, I'm sure we'll be rooting for as a podcast. Yeah, it's hard whenever you're a young kid going from Finland to America and, like, that have to kind of mm-hmm. get entrenched into America, especially when you're when you're moving to Wilkes-Barre. It's not like you're moving to the big city. You're, you're out in Scranton, PA, and just trying to figure it out out there. Not that that's a bad thing or anything, but, uh, yeah, it's just hard when you're young, don't know the language, don't know the culture, and... You kind of weren't. He kind of wasn't getting played down there either. Yeah, he was splitting time a lot, and they brought in Max Legacy, and, and that took time. Alex Deorio was take, brought up from Wheeling, and he played a little bit. So it I was forgot. a split net down there. Yeah, as I forgot, um, he also had a couple of trips to Wheeling. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he got he did get to see Montreal. That was cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we hope for the best. Maybe if he's able to make it back overseas again, that'd be fun for him. But. Hey, you know what? As long as his Twitter game stays strong, I will gladly hit the hit the C translation every time he tweets. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, our shout-outs and call-outs segment. We'll be right back. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> wonder who who he should have checked over here and then <laughs> I, I looked down at my feet hockey fans the entire bar was lined with guys in king's jerseys we quickly realized oh my gosh this is the dad's trip and we bring unique hockey stories to light coming back to england 24 rings in the entire country that's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. Our shoutouts and callouts, as we do every Thursday, is here. Horwat, who are you shouting out? Let's get the ground running. Uh, yes, I'm shouting out. Um, I'm shouting out the official return of concerts, if you will. I guess that's kind of a shout out to everyone who's been keeping each other safe, keeping each other healthy, wearing your mask, getting your vaccine, all of the good things that are bringing concerts and other events gatherings we're getting back to that return of normalcy we've been that's been long awaited and 
I feel like with Stage A like officially announcing their startup in August, Green Day officially confirmed they will be having their American tour and also added a few shows to the tour, so that's cool. Yeah, all this stuff coming out, we're seeing all of the what's it called? It's all of the the big ones, the big events like Lollapalooza are announcing lineups. Um, what are those called? Oh my god, it's, it's, the name has escaped me, but it'll come back to you eventually. But you know what I'm talking about, like the Lollapaloozas, the those shows, like those big grand stages, they're all starting to come back with full crowds, man. I mean, Tom Wolf just recently lifted the capacity limits, so we're good in Pennsylvania. We're getting it rolling, and we're getting there. We're getting there. It is within sight. It seems like it's only America that's getting there, but screw it. We're there, right? right? Some places are having some struggles, but... For what it is worth, America's got concerts again, and I made the tweet not that long ago, how long into the off-season before I turn into just a music uh, music Twitter account, and, well, shouldn't be too long now. Yeah, it's a return to normalcy, and it's nice to see across the United States, and, of course, we're seeing in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs now full barns, full arenas yeah. of fans. It's really fun to see. It's really fun to watch. You just wish the Pittsburgh Penguins would have been able to get into the second round and see PPG Paints Arena at full capacity. But we shall see that at the beginning of next season. One thing that we talked about already, my shout-out this week, goes out to Marc-Andre Fleury. After being named a finalist for the Vezina Trophy for the first time, along with Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning and Philip Grubauer of the Colorado Avalanche, Fleury was 26-10-0 this season with a 9.28 save percentage and a 1.98 goals allowed average and six shutouts. That 1.98 goals allowed average is his career low. So, of course, in his 16th or 17th, one or the other, NHL season, he has his career low in goals allowed average the first time under two, and now he gets the Jennings Award for the first time this year, and now he's up for the Vesna. could be getting his first Vesna. Like I said earlier, it is the last really big award for Marc-Andre Fleury to win. It's the last notch on his belt that he needs to basically complete the trifecta in what is a Hall of Fame career for him. So I just wanted to shout him out. Congratulations to him on being named a finalist. There's, what, 60-some-odd goaltenders that play a year to be named as one of the top three in any season is already a great accomplishment. So we'll see if he wins it, but either way, it's a fantastic accomplishment. We just wanted to shout out the flower. Yes, we do. He's eight wins away from 500 in a career, by the way. Crazy. That's wild. Yep. Nope. Hall of Fame career. He deserves one at some point. Hell, he deserved one ages ago, probably. But, hey, you know what? Better late than never. He can get it under his belt. People don't ask. No, don't often ask for the year that you want it. You just say, I'm a Vezina winner. Move on yeah, from or, there. Or if you're Patrick Waugh and Martin Broder, you just say, hey, I won a lot of them. <laughs> they say they won MVPs, which is damn impressive for a goalie. Yeah, that's true, too. Now, you know who else won an MVP as a goaltender? Dominic Carey. Well, I was going to say Carey Price. And you know who he beat? My call-out, the Toronto Maple yes, Leafs, for throwing a 3-1 to series lead over the Montreal Canadiens. I thought this was supposed to be their year. I mean, they had it all mapped out. You're playing only the North Division that has a lot of teams that aren't quite ready to contend for anything, so we thought. And once again, Toronto, regular season success, ran away with the North Division. They'll be at least able to say that they've 
won a division title for the first time in, what, 50 years? And then, of course, another disappointing first-round loss. This now makes five straight seasons for the Austin Matthew, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Toronto Maple Leafs that they have been taken out in the first round. Of course, last year they were taken out in the play-in round by the Columbus Blue Jackets, who finished last in their division this year. And Toronto, again, is left with more questions than answers, even getting made fun of by Stephen A. Smith on, <sighs> on ESPN. So my call-out is the Toronto Maple Leafs because I honestly had them going to the conference finals or the second-to-last round. The Stanley Cup semifinals, I guess we'll call them. But again, a first-round lost. And blowing a 3-1 series lead to boot to a team that finished in 18th in points in the regular season. 18th. <laughs> there were two teams that didn't make the playoffs that had more points than the Montreal Canadiens. And then they were able to go out there and win three straight against the Maple Leafs. So, yeah, that's my call out. Horwat, what is oh, yours? We could, we could talk for a while about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, immediately I just want to say this. I don't want to hear the comparisons of, well, the Penguins have been get, getting kicked out of the uh, in the first round the past three years. Since the Leafs have won a playoff series, the Penguins have won three cups and made the playoffs 15 straight years. They, they are not the same team. They're not. Have we have the Penguins choked in recent years? Yes. We just got goalied this year, let's be honest. It, and it's not even like the Leafs got goalied this year. Until Game 7, Jack Campbell was outplaying Gary Price. And you can't... You can't say it was the John, losing John Tavares because they won three straight after losing him. Do you like? Do you want to know how bad this fault, this collapse is? They got Pittsburgh sports sports radio to talk about it. <laughs> I, I don't mean make comparisons between the Penguins and the. No, they were only talking about the Leafs and their recent collapse and their collapses in the last how many years they stopped talking about the Steelers for it <laughs> do you know what you have to do to do that here oh my gosh yeah especially when Steelers OTA started this week yeah I mean it went from Steelers commercial break to the Leafs but they stopped talking about the Steelers for it that's how much this collapse really is ringing a bell throughout a lot of things. I mean, we think the Penguins have a lot of questions to answer. I mean, could Marner be on his way out? Could Nylander be on his way out? You guys signed... I said this at the beginning of the year. I'm sure there's a recording on this podcast back in the back in the uh, archives somewhere. They made the Joe Thornton, the Wayne Simmons... The TJ Brody signing's good. The Spezza re-signing. Yeah, the Spets are resigning and Bogosian, all these old guys. For I'm pretty sure I said it exactly. You're signing all these old veteran guys for what? Another first round loss? And I got it. I asked for mayhem and I got it, by the way. Yeah, Edmonton, you got exactly that. Edmonton, Toronto, gone. This is amazing. Love this postseason. Give me seven games of the Islanders and Bruins, by the way. As much as I hate both fan bases. And how insufferable their fan bases are and their teams are. I'm kind of rooting for the Islanders now because I really just don't like Boston that much more. But back to the Leafs. Yeah, no. Uh, where do you go from here, Toronto? Where do you honestly go from here? 
There's been some early speculation about a Marner trade, like you mentioned, but honestly, who knows what's going to happen and who knows how to decipher what Toronto media is fact and what Toronto media is fiction. So I'll leave that to the people that actually cover the Leafs on the, on the network, the Not Another Leafs podcast, Ken Stapon up there. So I, listen, I don't, I don't know. And it's not going to get any easier next year when they go back into their normal division with the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Florida Panthers. So it's going to be more difficult. We already saw the Ottawa Senators taking steps this year. I mean, at least they'll still get to beat up on the Buffalo Sabres. But, I mean, I also it's just, going to be tough. Yeah, the yeah the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base is quite boist, boisterous. Quite exotic and quite out there. But, come on, I feel so bad for Steve Dangle at this point. I really do. I mean, it's he. You think we put a lot of faith and love into the Penguins? This dude, for how many years now? It's he wrote a damn book. Wrote a damn book about how this team is literally ruining his ruining his life. And I I understand it. I understand it now. It's this year after year where it's you're clearly not maybe not the better team, but you're clearly a great team that just isn't able to get done at least when the capitals were doing this they could get past the first round they could get a victory under their belt well that and they were also winning president's trophies yeah this is the first time this is the first time in five seasons that toronto has literally actually won anything and that was the north division title which again you have one less team and also again i just didn't think it was as strong yeah and it it's very interesting and it's gonna bleed into i'm gonna make my call out which is specifically uh two players on the toronto maple leafs that we've already said their name a couple of times and that is mitch marner and austin matthews um you are the two top players on your team correct cool i get you're playing against Carey price but score a goal by god score a goal austin matthews won the rocket freaking richard this season and Put up a dud in the playoffs. Put up one goal. I don't know how many assists. I can look for it. But he didn't put up much. Marner, I believe it's 18 consecutive playoff games without a goal. Oof. You you don't want you don't want to do it. You don't want to really hurt Toronto Maple Leafs fans that much and say you're paying them how much. But you are paying them how much and getting nothing from them something's got to be done there right you would at least hope so we're going to probably wrap this up because the people above me decided they wanted to start drilling again and i'm going to have to go complain about that but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg thank you to everybody that has joined and tuned in we will be back on monday with another episode but for now we say have a good one pence fans you can follow us on twitter at nick horwat 41 and at nick underscore berlansky You can also follow the show's Twitter handle, at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet, or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.